Let me invite you to open up in your Bibles to the book of Ruth, sort of partway through the Old Testament this morning. We're going to look at the last set of verses in chapter 2 together. We're continuing to to think about the, the story that Ruth communicates to us, the truth that it brings to us, and in particular, thinking about it with the lens of a family and belonging and how God intends to draw people together in order to bless them and to build them up. A couple weekends back, our family went down to Burlington to Letty Beach uh, to spend part of the day there at the water. And then on our way back uh, from the beach, we were hungry. It was mid-afternoon. And so we decided to look on the phone for you know, something nearby that would, would be a good treat, a good snack. And we found that Burlington has its very own Jowdza restaurant. And this, this may be news, old news to, to many of you, but as a, a family who lived in China for almost a decade, it was a fun surprise to come across Hong's dumplings on Pearl Street. Anybody ever get the dumplings at, at Hong's? Just a couple. Well, it's... Uh, it's quite, quite a place. There was a lineup uh, to get the dumplings while we were there. It's quite a bit of business coming and going. One of the things that I found interesting, though, as we were waiting for our food to come out from the kitchen, was there uh, was a, a whole wall with a number of different names and dollar amounts next to the names on the side of the restaurant. And it described how when the restaurant opened back in 2017, whole series of customers got behind the restaurant and actually were part of its financial backing uh, to get it started. And that made me curious about the story of, of how this northeastern Chinese Jiaozi restaurant had come into being in downtown Burlington. As I went home, I, I dug around on the internet a little bit just to see if I could find anything about it. And I actually found a clip from the Food Network. They, they visited Hong's Dumplings a few years back. And they relayed the, the history of the restaurant and its owner. It's a, it's a woman named Hong Yu. And she immigrated here to Vermont from northeastern China back in the late 1990s. And a few years after she arrived, she started making her own you know, northeastern-style, Dongbei-style dumplings in her, her, in her house, in her own kitchen, and then she would bring them out to Church Street and sell them from a food cart. And pretty quickly, she gained uh, a reputation among, among the customers there in downtown Burlington, and she, she sold them outdoors on Church, Church Street for 17 years, uh, in the, the summer and the fall and in the, you know, the warmer weather months. But because there was such a demand for her food, she started thinking about opening uh, a restaurant year-round. And she began to, to look around for a place where she could move indoors. An old deli uh, closed over on Pearl Street. And so she agreed to take over the lease. But in order to, to cook the kind of food that she prepared, she needed to put in a commercial-style kitchen. And she didn't have uh, the necessary funds to do that. And so her customers, eager to eat her jowds a year round, came to her backing. And they provided over $15,000 in contributions to, to help her make that transition. And I think that, that story 
was a, a clear mandate, right, that her restaurant, her gift, her passion belonged in downtown Burlington, right? It belonged among the landscape of various restaurants here in Vermont. We've spent a, a lot of time this summer talking about how belonging happens, how it works within a community. And I thought this story of, of Hong's Jiaozi restaurant was a great case study, right? Of, of someone arriving in a new place, someone being welcomed and valued, offering her own contribution and, and blessing to that community, and then how that community in turn blessed her over time. And there, there's this sense, I think, in her story of a, of a reciprocity of, of blessing and belonging. Right? She was welcomed into the community of downtown Burlington, and in return, she was able to create a space to welcome others into her own restaurant and extend her own hospitality there on Pearl Street. Today, as we look at the end of chapter two in the book of Ruth, I want to think about that, that intersection of belonging and blessing and how the two sort of feed on each other. And I want us to see how, as, as Boaz, as we read last week, shared his sense of belonging, kind of opened up his space so that others might belong, that he communicates blessings to Ruth and Naomi. And I want to I study what those blessings do and how they take root today. And at each point, I also want to take a moment to think about and to pray that a similar ministry or, or, or pouring out of blessing might be true in our community as well. So let's look at Ruth chapter 2. We'll start with verse 17. Let me pray for us as we look at the word of God. Lord, we believe that from the fullness of who you are, you created the world and all that's in it. We believe that from the fullness of who you are, you continue to bless and know each person, each story, and you desire to draw us together into a family that knows you and that trusts you and that ministers your care to one another. Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you do that in your word this morning. May the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Remember, as we dive here into the end of chapter 2, back to chapter 1 and Naomi's story thus far. Remember that when she returns back to Bethlehem at the end of chapter 1, she informs the people of her, her hometown that she has come back feeling empty, feeling sort of stripped away of blessing, that there's very little left for her in that place except for bitterness. But remember how at the end of chapter 1, as Ruth hears the pain of her mother-in-law, Ruth takes her own risk. Ruth takes her own initiative. And she goes out seeking to find favor in the fields of someone there in Bethlehem. 
she ventures out to, to where the barley harvest is happening outside Bethlehem, and she happens into the field of a man named Boaz. And last week, we studied how Boaz chose to share his belonging with her. We said that Boaz shared his belonging firstly by, by having eyes to see her, by noticing her, by learning her story, by understanding who she was and what brought her to Bethlehem. We said that Boaz also shared his sense of belonging by being generous with what he had. Right? Physically, he blessed them with food. He blessed her with hospitality by calling her to, to his own table to eat that day. And then finally, Boaz pointed Ruth to the source of his own belonging. He bore testimony to her of, of how the God of Israel cares for his people and how he shelters us under his wings. And so as, as Ruth comes home from that first day in the fields, she comes bearing this incredible gift of being welcomed and invited to belong. And as she returns home that evening, I want us to, to see and look at the blessings that that, that that yields in this family line. Chapter 2, verse 17. It says, so Ruth gleaned in the field that day until evening. Then she threshed the barley that she had gathered, and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town, and her mother-in-law, Naomi, saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, oh, sorry, I jumped this too far. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. For he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. In these few verses, I love how the story, particularly for Naomi, begins to shift here. And I think Naomi's story shifts with an unexpected surprise that Ruth brings home that night. When I was a, a youth group kid, one of the popular games that we played from time to time was Bigger and Better. Anybody ever play Bigger and Better with their, their friends in the neighborhood? And the way Bigger and Better worked is you would start out with some insignificant object like, you know, a stick of gum or an old book or, you know, something that had very little value that was relatively small. And you'd have a couple hours and you'd go into some neighborhood and you'd ring a doorbell. And you would say, you know, I've got a stick of gum. Can you trade me for something bigger and better? And they'd, you know... Maybe if they were kind to you, they'd go into their house and they'd find something that was an upgrade and they would take your stick of gum. 
you know, and, and you would play for a few hours, and then you would all come back together that evening and try to see who had the biggest and the best thing that they came back with. And there were like urban legends about kids who started out with a stick of gum and came back with like a leather sofa or a used car, or, you know, stuff like that. We never got anything quite that impressive. But there was that element of surprise. What, what were you going to come back with? You didn't know. In this case, Naomi watches Ruth leave, leave their home early one morning. And they are hungry. They are probably penniless. And she probably carries with her nothing but either an empty basket or a barley, uh, sorry, a burlap sack to put whatever food she's able to find into. But I want you to try to imagine Naomi's surprise when Ruth comes through the door that evening with her bounty. She comes through the door with an ephah a freshly you know, processed barley flour. And an ephah is probably roughly 50 pounds worth of flour. She hauled it all the way from wherever the field was back into the village by herself. And for a family that had been battling famine, and sickness, and starvation, right, the gift of this grain is nothing short of a miracle to them. And the immediate impact of that, that gift of grain is that it makes a, a dent in the threat of starvation, right? They, they can rest knowing that for at least a month or more, they will have enough to eat just from that one day's work. But I think just as important as the, the taming of their hunger pains, I think this gift of grain also recovers something that Naomi had lost possession of. I think that the first blessing that this administers to their family is the return of hope. Remember, when Naomi came back to Bethlehem and the women noticed her and they noticed the suffering that she had been through, they said, is this, could this be Naomi after all these years come back home? And she said to them, don't call me Naomi, because Naomi means, means pleasant, means faithful, means the goodness of God. She said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because all I have received from the Lord is bitterness. The Almighty has made my life bitter. Naomi's expectations about her future had been colored by the pain of her past. Right? She saw the future in light of the pain in her past. But I think when Ruth comes through the door that night with this incredible bag of barley flour, with easily enough food to, to feed them into the winter months, right? all of that goodness catches her off guard, catches her bitterness by surprise. And she says with amazement, where, where in the world did you work today? In whose field did you glean all of this grain? And then Ruth replies, his name is Boaz. Which is an even better surprise because Naomi knows Boaz. 
She knows his reputation. And as we'll look at in a moment, she knows that he is a family member of theirs. And I think almost involuntarily, if you look in verse 20, words of hope spill out of Naomi's mouth. She says, the Lord bless this man. The Lord bless him because he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. He's had regard for their family and what they've been through. Naomi says, the Lord, the same Lord who she had felt cursed and afflicted by. She says, may that Lord bless Boaz for his kindness. We begin to sense that there's, there's a shift, something is coming loose in Naomi. I think for any of us, when we're blessed with enough to eat, when we're blessed with enough rest, when we're blessed with a sense of support and kindness, right, it changes things for us. It changes our outlook on the future. Think of, of when someone has brought you a meal or called you up during a time of sickness or, or sadness or difficulty. Think of what that, that did for you in that moment. Back at the start of, of June, our family all came down with COVID, kind of in a series of days. And a few of you sent meals to us unexpectedly. Uh, they just showed up at our house that week. Right, and that, that ministered both the, the phys- meeting of a, a physical need when we were exhausted, but it also reminded us that people cared for us, that people were looking out for us, that we belonged to a greater sense of family. And I think the same thing is true for Naomi here. Maybe for the first time in many, many years, she senses that it's not just her versus the world, but that she is cared for. And that seed of hope is planted in her. Maybe for some of you, you have been through your own journey of difficulty, of loss, of ongoing stress, conflict. And those things have the very real power to erode our sense of hope, our expectation of good things sort of ebbs away. So I want to stop. If that's you this morning, I want to pray for us this morning, that God might send some unexpected gift, some unexpected person to minister care where you're at. Let me, let me pray just for a moment for that gift of blessing. Lord, I pray if there are any among us this morning that have sensed a waning of hope, anyone that has difficulty believing that you see them, that you care for them, that you love them. It has been a long time since they have tasted of your goodness and your safety and your rest. Lord, would you send someone, something into their lives, even today, even this week, that would surprise them with your blessing? your kindness, with your presence.
Amen. We see because of what Boaz does to, to welcome Ruth into his field and to send her home with this gift that he imparts the blessing of hope to Naomi. I think we see a second gift or blessing in verse 21 and following. Part of the hope, I think, and reason for hope that, that Naomi has is not just the food that comes through her, do- her door, but the source of that gift. And she notices in verse 21 that Boaz, she says, is a close relative of theirs. And she says, he is one of our guardian redeemers, which is kind of a big hyphenated word. That's our best effort to translate a specific Hebrew title. And it's the word goel. A goel was a specific designation given to a family member in in. Hebrew culture or, or Israeli society. And it was outlaw, it's outlined in the, the law of the Lord. It's, it's given to them in Deuteronomy and other places. But a goel was a person who was designated essentially to ensure that members of their extended family were cared for, were looked after, especially during vulnerable times. And so we read about how if if a family member was orphaned or widowed, the goel could be their legal advocate in the court system and and go and advocate on behalf of them to make sure they got their inheritance, to make sure they were blessed with what was rightly theirs, that they were provided for. Sometimes in that culture, family members, due to great debt, would sell themselves into slavery for a time. And it was the Goel's responsibility to, to gather the extended family's resources and to go back and buy that family member back out of slavery, to return them to the family once again. There were, there were a number of functions this person took. But I, I liked one of the commentaries I read this week compared the, the role of the Goel in the family to a gyroscope. That might seem like an interesting image. But uh, we, we have a gyroscope that Asher picked up this summer on vacation. And you know if you, if you play with a gyroscope, you put a string in and you spin it, right? And because it spins so rapidly, you can put it into an imbalanced situation. You can put it on the edge of a table or, you know, knock it off a table onto the floor. And because of the, the power, the, the force that grounds it, right, it, the force by which it spins, it immediately stabilizes itself. It returns to a state of equilibrium. And I think goels, redeemers, are, are those members of our family that step into situations where things are out of balance and they restore harmony, they restore equilibrium. I think we, we desperately need a, a vision for those kinds of family members in our own churches in our own modern day families. People who bring equilibrium, people who respond where there is deficit. I can think of several women I know in this congregation who just show up at people's homes when they need care, when they need someone to be with them, to listen to them, to encourage them. I remember a few years back, the men of our church on, on Saturday mornings, going and visiting the homes of those who were aging or lived alone and, 
and doing physical work for them to help meet particular needs. Some of you are great at stepping in where there is conflict, or where people are being pulled apart and, and bringing presence and a peace. I want to take a moment just to, to pray that the Lord might affirm that calling in some of you this morning, in some of us, to be these kind of redeeming, equalizing presences. Lord Jesus, as you seek to minister your sense of belonging in this church family, would you appoint and would you give a sense of calling to some of us to be advocates for one another, to step into situations where presence and practical help is needed? Lord, would you bless us with those who are redeemers those who are filled with who you are, Jesus, our great Redeemer, the one who finds us when we are lost. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we see the blessing of hope ministered in these verses. We see the blessing of, of a, a physical person and presence being ministered through the extended family line. I think the third blessing we discover is a blessing, particularly for Ruth, as she comes into this new family. Look at verses 21 to the end of the chapter. Then Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Boaz, this guardian redeemer, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all of my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvests were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. The first two gifts, I think, the first two blessings largely speak to Naomi and her sense of, of what was lost and what was empty being filled and restored. But in these few verses, I think we see God providing for Ruth in a special way to recover what she had lost and what was empty in her. As a, a young woman who is in the prime of her life and who has left everything behind to follow and, and to come with Naomi to Israel, Right? She is in need of friendship. She is in need of peers. She is in need of a, of a place to, to offer her own work, her own contribution, her own gifts, and to be dignified as she does that. In verse 21, we see God meeting that very need. We see that Boaz not only gives Ruth a, a one-time gift of grain, but he invites her to come back and to spend the entire harvest season, probably two to two and a half months, working in his field. But he says specifically in that invitation, he says, stay with my workers. And those words are significant because the verb here is, is the verb davar, 
which we talked about a few weeks ago. It means to stick with or to stay close to. And it's the same verb that we see the, the author of Ruth describing Ruth with when, when she and Naomi and Orpah are on the road, right, the crossroads from Moab back to Israel. And it says that Orpah chooses to go back to return to the land of, of her own people and her own gods. But Ruth chose to stick with, to cling to, to davar with Naomi. And, and we know that that decision came at great cost. It was a great sacrifice that she made in order to be a companion, to be with, to be a new family for Naomi in her time of grief. But I think this is, in a, in a way, the Lord returning that blessing now to Ruth. It's coming full circle. Because now Boaz says to her, stick with, cling to, find a place of belonging among the people of my household, among the workers in my fields. There's a safe place for you to form friendships, to be dignified in the work you do, to have an entry point into the life of this community. And so we're told in verse 23, Ruth makes the conscious choice. She makes the effort to pursue community, to pursue friendship, to pursue belonging in a new place. And it's that same verse. So Ruth stayed close. She clung to the women of Bethlehem and the women of Boaz's fields. I think we also need to hear that invitation to belong to, to stick with another group of people. And we also then need to take the initiative to, to, to trust that, to step toward those people in community. I spoke to someone a few weeks ago who, due to work circumstances and, and family circumstances, has had to, to move their lives a number of times in the last 10 years. And they described how, how disappointing that was, that every time they felt like they were, were starting to form friendships and starting to be known, then something got uprooted and they had to start over again. You can imagine that for Ruth, right? There was probably part of her that just could have drawn back and, and stayed kept to herself. But she chooses to trust the door God is opening here, a place to belong. And I think those, those next months of the harvest were a stabilizing and a hopeful time for her family. I think in many ways, we are emerging from a time where a lot of our, our sense of who we stick with has been scattered. Right? We've come through two years of COVID, our connection to community, to friends, to knowing how to work alongside each other as a church, right? A lot of that has been reset these past few years. And we could be reluctant to put ourselves out there again, to go through the, the hard work of, of reforming those connections and maybe making new ones in the process. But I think Ruth reminds us that this is an important way that God draws us into the family he's creating. It's an important way that God ministers his healing and his blessing to us. And it's also an important way that God ministers through us to be a blessing to others. So let me pray 
in closing that the Lord would make us a people who, who stick close to one another and would, would guide each of us to know who those people are in our lives. Lord Jesus, thank you that you know us and you know where we belong and where we fit. I pray that we would not belong to ourselves, but that as we choose to trust you and follow you, we would sense you opening doors and opening lives and opening families and opening households for us to stick close to, to share our lives together with. Lord Jesus, we offer the the reading of this word, we offer the blessings that we see communicated here to you, and we pray that you would sow them into this place this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.